Hello, loyal Global Captive podcast listeners, and welcome back to our fourth season of GCP, GCP 2022. Uh, We're actually kicking off this season with something a little bit different. We recorded a live episode in front of a live audience in person for the first time at the Seeker International Conference. Uh, So what you're going to hear over the next 40 minutes is a edited version of um, the final panel of the Seeker Conference. We recorded this at uh, on Tuesday afternoon in Tucson, Arizona, in front of a, a pretty decent crowd. It's a bit of fun. It's quite different from our regular episodes, so uh, interested to hear what you think of it. And we'll be back on uh, the coming Monday, the 14th of March, with our first full episode of the new series and that will feature Elke van Galender uh, from Head of Multinational at AIG and also the Microsoft Captive and Employee Benefits team as well, which is a fascinating, uh, long, uh, extended Captive owner interview to get stuck into. So please do enjoy GCP Live from Seeker. Hello captives and captive friends and welcome to the Global Captive Podcast, supported by legacy specialist R&Q and hosted by me, Richard Kutcher. Now this, as I just said, is a really uh, unique episode. Not only is it our first episode of the 2022 season, but it is also our first in-person GCP Live coming to you from the Seeker International Conference. We are recording on Tuesday the 8th of March and hopefully this will be um, in, in your podcast apps. If you're not here at the conference, you'll be hearing this a couple of days later, as long as everything has gone to plan. We have eight guests lined up over the next hour, split into two panels. I'm not going to say if there's a different demographic to each of the panels at all. You can make that up your own, your own mind on the, in the audience. Uh, and we're going to address some hot topics, uh, make some predictions, hopefully have a bit of fun, and uh, even a little uh, bit of captive trivia uh, along the way as well. Uh, we've got a decent group in for those again listening on their podcast apps. We've got a decent little crowd in here at Seeker. I'm hoping a few more will, will slide in. We're not going to uh, keep you from your beers too long at, at 5 p.m. And in terms of audience, we we do kind of encourage and hope that uh, might get a bit of interaction. Some of the trivia, you might want to have a chance to shout out some some tips or some help. Uh, I'll explain that a bit later. But it, as I said, it's a bit of an experiment. We'll go along. Hopefully, it's not too cringy and. Uh, We'll make it work. So joining me for the first half of the pod, uh, we have Prabhul Akampal of Spring Consulting. We have Karen Z of University of California, Kristen Peed of CBiz, and Jim Bukowski of EY. Karen, of all of our 200 guests, I think, more than 200 guests we've had on the Global Captive podcast since we launched three years ago, uh, you have probably appeared on more episodes than anyone else. I'm not sure if that's down to you or, or down to me. Uh, so it's only right we start with you. Um, what is a bit of a fun or, or interesting fact that our audience might not already know about you? I had to think about this one for quite some time, actually. Most of yesterday and today. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think one that most people, if you worked with me, you would know, and it's actually very relevant to a lot of things we were talking about. Uh, during the conference, but I am actually an extreme night owl, so you will find me sending emails in the middle of the night. So last night, I may or may not have closed the bar, but then I went back to my room and then turned on my computer, and before you knew it, I was up answering things until 3 a.m., and I was like, oh, 
I need to go to sleep because I'm speaking on the first panel in the morning. And first, I was like, first and last, and both of me. First and last. And that's why this is in front of me right now. It's a Red Bull, just a Red Bull, okay, no vodka. Thank you, Karen. Jim, um, how about you? Don't forget to hold your microphone. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm on mute. Yeah, and we're all in this together, right? Yeah, um, no, glad to be here. and. Uh, Thank you. So I guess it's an interesting fact about me. Is that the yeah, question? Yeah, interesting or different or something yeah. people might not have known before. Different. And it's funny because Prabhu and I were um, talking before the, you know, this session. Like we're pretty boring guys. We don't have any interesting facts. So what are we going to say? So we're going to make some stuff up. So back in 2010, I was offered an all-expense-paid outing, and it was fantastic. International airfare, free lodging for my entire stay. Four meals a day, including drinks, but non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, excursions for me and all of my guests were free in Kandahar, Afghanistan, <laughs> where, I, where I was deployed with the U.S. Army as a lieutenant colonel and I retired as a colonel. Did anyone offer? Was yes. It? <laughs> okay, Kristen. Well, I am the opposite of Karen, where she is a night owl. I go to bed early and uh, wake up early, so I'm actually training for a marathon, a half marathon right now. And I'm happy to report I got in all my miles while I was here because I kept waking up. So the thing I'm most excited about tomorrow is that I do not have to run. So. But we, we are getting up very early for our we flight. Are, yes, we have a very early car service tomorrow morning. So I will not be closing the bar with you. <laughs> uh, Preble. So um, we've been talking about what folks do at night. Um, <laughs> So at the peril of embarrassing myself, and I see Peter Johnson isn't in the audience, I was hoping to embarrass him with me. Peter and I have slept together. <laughs> uh, before this goes viral, let me give you a little bit of backstory. This is Vermont just before uh, COVID canceled everyone's plans. <laughs> and uh, we reach the hotel, we check in, and uh, the, the lady at the, at the hotel says, oh, I have you checking in tomorrow, not today. We actually only have one room. Being the gentleman we were, we were like, Karen, you should take that room. Peter and I will go figure ourselves out. So we're looking around. We finally find, find a lodge. Um, we, we walk into the room. We're like, oh, yeah, this is fine. We walk into the room. It's a full bed. If anyone would like to see photos of this room, I think you'll get a laugh out of this. It was a Valentine suite. I don't know why it was a Valentine suite, but. So it had heart balloons on the side tables, and uh, things got even more interesting in the morning when we realized there wasn't an attached bath, right? So there was, uh, for every six rooms, there were two bathrooms. So we had fun. We slept together that night. <laughs> I, I will say I was the big spoon. Peter was the small spoon. <laughs> If, if you're ever with Preble and Peter, you'll, you'll see that they, they never make eye contact anymore. They never, they never look each other direct in the eye. Um, all right, let's, we'll get a little bit more serious for a little bit. Um, so the big topics for the last three years, since we're all last at this uh, conference, in fact, we know what they are. You know, hard market, lots of new formation activity, uh, chat about specific lines such as cyber and DNO, uh, going to captives and, and getting a lot more coverage. So uh, I guess first, and I'll, I'll come to you on this, uh, Jim, uh, what, what is the next big theme do you think we're going to be talking about over the next uh, year or so, or, or is it just going to be more of the same? No, I think it's going to be different, um, and we're starting to see this right now, is the next evolution of a captive as the center for risk in a corporation. And we all see that, maybe feasibility studies, oh, you can centralize your, but no, really, have a captive that has employees, 
It'll have a legal person in there. It'll have a risk manager in there. It'll have a supply chain person in there. And it'll manage the risk of the company. We're actually working with, with two groups right now that are, um, that are going towards that end. And if you think about it like through the supply chain you know, and all the risk, and this happens to be a, a fast food company where they go right from you know, that farmer, local farmer, um, they you know, have that lettuce put in that, that truck, that refrigerated truck. And then that moves through, you know, their distribution and eventually it gets, you know, on top of that, that chicken or, or, or meat sandwich. So what happens if that refrigerated truck at some point in that 12-hour journey, you know, dips down five degrees or increases five degrees rather? Okay, is there going to be spoilage? Well, let's have a telematic, you know, in that truck that'll tell us, hey, you know, you may have a problem here because that could be spoilage and that could lead to, you know, a liability with someone getting sick from eating that food, or with the driver, and we know about the telematics and driving, you know, the inward-facing camera and what does that mean, and monitoring the, drow, the miles driven and so forth, all that would be wrapped up into that captive entity and not sit somewhere else in the corporate structure. So it's pretty unique and it could be pretty revolutionary to the captive industry. Yeah, I, I think uh, we've seen a little bit of that, particularly in Europe. You have some quite big captive entities with some more uh, kind of um, people on the ground in in uh, in the domicile of choice. Preble, how about you on, on this one? What, what's the kind of the next big theme you think we're going to be dominating conversations in the next couple of years? Yeah, from from my perspective, I think we're obviously seeing a lot of folks talk about third party risk and how to shore up your um, tax positions. I think a lot of traction that we're seeing in the market is from. Uh, folks looking to set up group programs, not just focused on medical stop loss on the benefit side. So that's certainly one trend that, that's picking up. Um, the other one that um, we're seeing a lot of traction on is employers looking to set up their employee benefit programs and fund them in a way that eliminates the need to potentially go to the Department of Labor. And then I think the third and final one, which I think could be a defining moment uh, from a benefits perspective, there have been a lot of transactions in Europe, but I don't think there have been uh, many, if any, on the, on the US side is uh, pensions. Uh, the markets have obviously fared really well for folks, so a lot of pension plans are getting fully funded or almost fully funded. Folks are looking for a way to um, leverage their captives to um, eliminate the pension liability. So. Yeah. Those are the three big ones from my perspective. And that's why, again, we've seen a handful of examples of that down the years in, in different ways of, of addressing that issue. Karen, how about you? I think for us at UC, I know, you know, it's going to be the same things of cyber DNO. Those are all going to be topics of interest still. But I do think that entrepreneurial risks in captives, you know, the third party risks that we're looking um, to do just because, you know, every organization is trying to bring value to, um, you know, through their captives to their organization. So I think that might be a big trend going forward. I could see um, our, where we're growing mostly is in our cell captives, right? So not just the employee, you know, life, disability, but also the other cell captive that we have that's completely for third-party risks, right? We have our voluntary benefits in there. We are adding in, we just added in, you know, a third-party liability complete portfolio um, into that, uh, sell as well, and we're going to look to add more and more on the HR or the human resources platform right through there. So things like legal, things like pet, things that we're going to look into all of those because I feel like those would be, be bring benefits to our employees, our faculty, and our staff. Great. 
Cheers, Karen. So I'm going to ask a slightly different question to Kristen. It's not that I don't care, Kristen, about what you think the next big thing is, but I've got a slightly different question to ask you. So we're not going to go into too much detail now because we have actually uh, recorded a, um, a captive, uh, a captive. I always mix those two words up, podcast and captive. It's my life. We have recorded an interview on this for a, for a future podcast, but you're actually in the relatively unique position in, in terms of guests on our pod of being a prospective captive owner. You don't currently uh, have a captive, uh, and I, I believe you're kind of thinking about having one. So why is, in short, why is 2022 the year that you think CBiz will, will be having a captive? Yeah, so when I actually joined CBiz almost seven years ago, I came in really wanting to put together a captive and fell on my face because I didn't really stop to think about what the pain points were, what might be strategic and what would be the thing that would move the needle for our executives. So I actually did a session with um, Anne-Marie and Mike from Milliman maybe four or five years ago about lessons learned, like what, what wouldn't I do again on a captive? And so I pulled that presentation out and did the exact opposite. So, you know, I found my allies um, in the company who actually came to me and said, why don't we have a captive? And I'm like, oh, let's talk. Um, and so I started to understand what they would want the captive for, whether it was the smoothing out of accounting, um, or we had a new CHRO who had come from a place where they had had a captive um, doing a lot of their employee benefits stuff. And so she had that question as well. And then the biggest thing lately um, in the last you know month is our board who were a publicly traded company. So we have a really sophisticated board. When Delaware made that announcement, they started reaching out to our executives saying, hey, have we looked at a captive at CBIS? Um, and when you couple that with the hard market right now and the rising prices that we're paying out there, it just makes sense right now to look at our um, risk long-term with a strategic vision and understand how a captive can really transform the way we manage risks going forward. Great, and I mean, I guess that talking about that um, education mission internally to, to educate um, leaders of the company or different parts of the company about why a captive might be the right solution and what it means brings us perfectly onto the, our next question, which is one of the, I think, most important missions of the Global Captive podcast since we launched was to really demystify the world of captives. We've had some fantastic, huge, huge captive owners on the podcast in the, in the last three years uh, explaining the purpose they serve and, and why they are formed. And we know that there are still out there, obviously, some outdated common misconceptions concerning concerning tax, etc. But what I'm really keen to hear from you for is what are maybe some of the more out there or funny or interesting misunderstandings that you've you've heard in the past about what captives are, what they do. So, um, Jim, you're reaching for the microphone, so it looks like you volunteered to go first. <laughs> uh, it's not necessarily funny, but. If I'm a tax director or a CFO, you know, of a company, I can elect whether my tax, whether my captive is tax qualified or not. So if I don't elect that it's tax qualified, then I'm, it's not tax qualified. And if I elect it to be tax qualified, then it is. Like that is not right. It's a facts and circumstances based test. You could be a nonprofit, but if you do everything that says, you know, risk shifting and distribution, combinations of insurance, fortuity, and all that stuff you may well be a tax-qualified captive. Now, why the IRS would actually come after you to make a tax-qualified captive have the benefit of those accounting efficiencies, I don't know why, but you never know they may. Um, I was gonna say, I don't know if this is funny, but they're only for bad companies that can't get insurance, um, or these the, com the big companies that, you know, 
can't afford it. It's too expensive because, you know, the cost of collateral is just too expensive. Yeah, besides all the tax haven things or the tax purposes, obviously. Uh, we already buy reinsurance. There's no point for it. Captives can't help there, things like that. I think that some of the things that I learned during my first go-round is that maybe I need to be able to understand to explain the accounting piece of it and how the capitalization works. And so where that money lies, it's not actually leaving the balance sheet, it's staying in the company, it's our money. So it's not like it's costing anything from the premium perspective. So that was one of the things that I found kind of um, that I needed to make sure that I explained it better this time. So most of the aspects have sort of been touched upon. The two major ones that I see are, you know, my broker already knows best and they're guiding me in the best way possible. Captive may or may not be a good fit for me, depending on what the broker thinks. Um, and then the second one, I guess, is it's a risk manager's tool, right? There's so many folks out there who think the risk manager is the only person um, who's the keeper of the captive. And in a way, yes, but in a way, to your point, Kristen, Right, there's an opportunity to bring so many stakeholders together. And I think um, those are the two aspects that I see most frequently. So uh, we're gonna wrap up this, this first half with some trivia. So um, this is a team game. So your team won, and our second panel is team two. They're gonna have their go at this same game in the second half. Uh, you can confer amongst yourselves. Don't take too long, uh, but we can edit out long pauses, <laughs> okay? So it's a game of higher or lower of captive numbers, captive domiciles, okay? So I'm gonna give you a starting domicile and the number of captives in that domicile. These numbers are from uh, the end of 2020, because we haven't got all the 2021 numbers yet. I'm taking the numbers from Captive Reviews World Domicile Update from 2020, so if the numbers are wrong, not my fault, but I trust those guys. I used to do that report, the numbers are good. So, to give you some context, there were 6,305 captives in the world at the end of 2020, excluding cells, and that's important. These numbers are all excluding cells we're talking about, because that's a whole controversial issue. I know Steve isn't here from Delaware. I'm not including series in captive numbers because I count them as cells. That's a whole other debate. So let's start then. Your starting number is the state of Vermont, which we all know well. At the end of 2020, the state of Vermont had 589 active captives. So the first question, I'm gonna count up how many in a row you can get right, and we'll see how many in a row they get right. The question is, do you think the number of captives in the island, and you're welcome to try and help them from the, from the crowd as well, if they're struggling. The, num how, the number of captives in the Isle of Man at the end of 2020, do you think that number was higher or lower than the number of captives in Vermont? Excluding cells. We're, all of these are excluding cells, yeah. Final answer is lower. Lower, correct. This is it harder, by the way, it's meant to start. <laughs> easier so that's one that's one they've got one point all right second one so Isle of Man I can tell you it was 96 captives right so Isle of Man had 96 captives at the end of 2020 the next domicile is Dubai how many captives well was the number of captives in Dubai higher or lower than 96 at the end of 2020 lower lower good it was free and I, I will say this for Dubai, they're forming a lot of captives at the moment, so they're having a good couple of years now. We had Ronnie from Marsh on, uh, on the pod uh, before Christmas talking about Dubai specifically, and he did a great job. Um, okay, so three captives in Dubai, so this next one should be easier as well, you can imagine. Sweden, Frederick Finman from Sweden is in the room, I imagine, somewhere. Uh, how many captives, or was there a higher or lower number of captives in Sweden at the end of 2020? Higher. 
Right, good, four, four in a row then. Okay, cool. Oh, no, 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 not four captains. Sweden has 42 captains in, in the 2020. You've got four points, that's what I was saying. Or you've got three points, actually. You've got three points, not four points. Um, next up, Gibraltar. So Sweden had 42 captains in um, 2020. Was Gibraltar higher or lower than 42? Higher. They fell for the trap. It's lower. By some distance, guys. So you've only got three points. So I think our second panel oh. is going to... They've got the doors open. Gibraltar only had 10 captives oh. at the end of 2020. A lot of... There is misconceptions about Gibraltar, and I thought some of you might fall for that. So good. We haven't got to go through the others. We had Labuan next. We had Missouri. We had Anguilla, and it got... The numbers got very close as we went through there. So only three points, guys, for you to beat in the second half. I want to see if you can get a full marks of seven. Seven's the highest you can get. Okay, good. Thank you. Well, cheers, guys. Panel number one. Uh, appreciate it. If you can give a round of applause, we're just going to change them round. So bear with us for a second and we'll get the second panel up. Okay, welcome back. Second half. Um, we've got a lot more. Thank you, Mary Ellen. We've got a lot more to uh, get through, I think, in this second half. And luckily, we've still got 35 minutes. We don't want to keep you from the bar, which obviously opens at five. We're hoping this is a success because I hope next year, Dan, if we get to come back and do this again, I think we'll, we'll try and get a bar in this room for that, I reckon. What do you think, Dan? Is that, I'm going to put you on the spot now. <laughs> well, if we don't leave before five o'clock when the bar opens, you will not be back again. So we'll try to keep them to that. So. Let's, see how it, let's see how it goes here, Richard. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. I should have asked you that at the end. Okay, this half is going to end with another game of higher or lower. Uh, so you have that to look forward to. Don't get too nervous. But I'd really welcome, like to welcome uh, this second panel. Uh, we have, uh, first of all here, to my left, we have Sandy Biggleston from the state of Vermont. And we have Heather McClure from Aon, Nick Hentridges from Captive Resources, and Dan Toll from, I think you might know this guy called Dan Toll. I don't know if you've seen him around. Uh, he's from Seeker. <coughs> So, yeah, I think all of these guys are, are pretty uh, familiar to you. Um, as of our first guests, um, we'll start with Sandy. Is there anything, a little, a little unknown fact about yourself that you can share? Maybe more of a fun fact, I guess, um, or lots of people might not know this, but I, um, my husband's marriage proposal was done in a circus ring as part of a circus act. <laughs> oh that was about 26 years ago. And we're about to, this year, we will celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. So um, the rest is history. Did the rest of the marriage follow a similar pattern in terms of the circus act? <laughs> <laughs> no comment from Sandy. Heather? Hmm. OK, mine is going to be a recent event. So some of you who are here in the room may see that I have this um, soft cast on my left hand. I have recently, with a, one of my girlfriends, taken up roller skating and about three weeks ago i fell and broke my left wrist that's yeah. not a fun story that's not a fun story <laughs> but the roller skating part is fun yes yeah and so next year you'll be maybe you have a roller skating craft brewery tour that could be interesting you're probably more wrist broken that day nick uh i know you've been fretting about this question all day so i'm sure you've got i'm sure you've got some interesting hidden gems for us Sandy's sitting here, Sandra's sitting here laughing at me because I've been sweating this more than any other thing that I... So this is, uh, I don't know if it's a fun fact or not, but I just happened to be back in my hometown uh, a few weeks ago, and I attended a high school basketball game, right, from my, the team that I went to high school with. And 
I just happened to have the most letters ever in the history of that school. It's 45 years ago. And my name is still up with the most letters in that school. So that was, I was kind of, I had no clue about that. I just happened to notice it. And uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Okay, for, so for us un-American people, what do you mean by letters? Are they uh, nice letters? High school letters, like uh, for sports. Ah, okay. Varsity, varsity letters. Good stuff. Well, good. I'll have another, another sports conversation with you next year, uh, Nick. Uh, and Dan, how about you? Well, I thought I'd share a little unknown fact that some of you may not actually believe, which was when I was younger, I was unbelievably shy. And the idea of speaking in front of five people, let alone 100 people, would have terrified me. But I guess I've come a long way. So. Yeah, you have come a long way. Let's have a round of applause for Dan. And Shy Dan. Shy Dan, everyone. It's his new name in the industry, Shy Dan. Everybody got clapped except for me. <laughs> You're just careless, Heather. You're just careless. Um, so yeah, let's start with Nick then. We've heard uh, on, you were on the Global Captive podcast again just, just before Christmas, I think, end of the year, uh, quite recently from you about the continued growth in, in group captive membership over the past couple of years. And I presume you're, you're fully expecting that momentum to, to continue. Uh, so what, what I want to know is where's it going to come from? In, in the single parent captive space, we've seen the entrance of a whole new generation of captive owners from emerging sectors, you know, high tech, crypto, cannabis. Do you see kind of similar, kind of fast growing new companies expressing interest in, in your group captives? So that is such a great question. So we just had a panel discussion uh, a couple hours ago on medical stop loss. We see that as a huge, huge growth area, right? And we're gonna put a lot of money and a lot of people behind that. So medical stop loss is one of the areas that I think is, is gonna be a big growth area for us. Um, organic growth, just doing what we do in the, in the group space uh, on the casualty side, we think there's tremendous growth there. We are doing new programs now though. We just started a last mile program. So if you get Amazon or FedEx or uh, you know, any one of the, the delivery companies, they have to deliver the last mile. And so we started a program from them. We started a, a large captive program for accounts $10 million and above casualty premium. So, you know, everybody says, well, it's got to be a single parent. We don't think that's necessarily true. So it's a group program for large accounts. Um, and then we've got a couple that are on the, uh, you know, that we're, we're working on, USL&H, uh, an open lot program, property program for dealers. Uh, so some, some things that we're working on. We think there's tremendous opportunity in this space. So uh, Heather, this is definitely the first time you've been on the Global Captive podcast since your move to Aon, which I think happened during the middle of the pandemic. We had you on, on GCP before in, in your previous role uh, when you were a captive owner. And as everyone knows, my favorite guests are captive owners. No offense to you guys you know, here, but I do love them. So I was very sad. But I'm to still see. one of your favorites. Maybe still one of my favorites. Because I used to be a captive owner. You used to be a captive owner and you're always very generous uh, with your time with us. Um, so yeah, how's the move? How's it going? Are you enjoying it? It's been great. I really have enjoyed it. It's been about eight or nine months that I've been at Aon and I have a great job. I get to work um, with 40 or 50 clients instead of just, you know, the one. So I, I love it. Is it, how, what is the difference of being on that side of, of the fence? Oh, is, it, is it more frustrations, less frustrations? You know, the veil has kind of been <laughs> lifted. <laughs> um, I, I get to see the broker side of it. And, and, and all kidding aside, it's lovely people that I work with. And, um, you know, I, I guess there is that difference that you're not focused on just the one um, you know, risk entity. You're you're serving multiple clients. You can share information. I'm putting together some roundtables and thought leadership panels across the country. 
um, getting the clients together to speak to each other about solutions, which is something that I really enjoyed doing when I was um, a chief risk officer at, at the university. So Sandy, we've seen, and I'm going to come to Heather on this question as well, but Sandy first, we've seen incredibly uh, impressive numbers of, of new formations. And it's, it's, a, it's a dance we do every year, Sandy. I come knocking by and ask you what formation numbers you've got and you tell me all about them. And we'll be doing it again soon, I'm sure. So how much longer though is that momentum do you think going to remain in the market? Obviously, we know that a lot of it has been driven by the hard market, or that's been the final push factor for many new captives. You know, how much longer this do you think we've got? Any, any, any sign of it slowing down in Vermont? I see no indication that the hard market will end anytime soon, at least from what we're experiencing. And in, in terms of even expansions of existing businesses for captives, um, as well as formations. But, um, you know, 2021 was one of uh, the largest growth years for Vermont, the third largest. And so the, the beauty of being around as long as Vermont has for 40 years, uh, we have a lot of data. So I took a look at the last couple of hard market cycles and our numbers and the, in the mid 80s, um, there was a hard market cycle and we, um, that was our first first spike in, in our formations. So the tenure of those captives, we kept about a little less than 50% of those are still active today. And the average tenure is about um, 25 years that they stuck around. And then um, in the early 2000s, right after 9-11, we had an even larger spike in our formations. And um, we have about 50% of those that are st still around. Um, so I. I think hard markets don't stick around forever, but um, even in, I guess you could call them soft market years, we still formed, you know, captives are still needed, and we formed our average typically in those years as well, um, about 20 to 25 captives per year. So there's still going to be a need for captives regardless of what market cycle we're in. Thanks, Sandy. So Heather, obviously, I think your, your focus at um, because of your background, your focus at Aon is more on the healthcare side of things. In that space particularly, you still seen, we, we know there's a lot of healthcare captives already in existence and have been for a while, but you still seen new entrants on, on the captive side? Right, in, in every domicile, increase in, in healthcare captives. Um, and to Sandy's point, I think it's not just about the hard market, although the captive formation increase you know, certainly is affected by that. I, I would like to think that um, that you and, and Sika and others are combating, you know, the misperceptions that you spoke about earlier on the podcast. That um, that we're do we're making serious headway, and and those old sort of rumors and silly things that people, you know, used to think at the beginning of, of captives are just not really around anymore. So Dan, I always find it uh, I always find discussing the hard market actually a, a bit of a tough one to, to tone correctly. But this this is partly because of my other hat I have with Airmic uh, in the UK, obviously representing risk managers. Because while it's uh, a challenging time for the risk managers, for the insurance buyers, and anyone responsible for buying insurance for their company, it has provided a welcome reminder of the value of captives and, and rejuvenated the captive industry. So I can see why the captive market would, could be seen to want to kind of celebrate a hard market because it does re-emphasize the, the need and purpose of captives, whereas the people you're trying to attract to become captives wouldn't like you celebrating the fact they're going through a, a, a painful and, and tough time. So I always don't want to get too excited about hard markets, hard markets. but how important is it and, and how, do you, how do we ensure 
that this momentum isn't lost, you know, when or if the market stabilizes or, or softens and, and captive owners do, you know, understand the continued value of their captives in all market conditions? Well, first of all, I think this hard market, add to that the pandemic is going to leave a lasting impact on every risk manager. So it's not like you're going to be able to forget this anytime soon. Uh, the other thing to Sandy's point, uh, dollars go into captives, the premium goes in, they rarely come out even when the market softens. I also think we're at that point where we're getting to be such a big industry that those dollars are going to be seen across the board. And I, I think we're going to have a bigger impact just because there's more and more dollars that have, have left the traditional market and are into captives. And uh, I think that's a very good thing. That said, you and I have talked about this over and over. We've got to keep telling the good story because I get this in, uh, for example, the student essay contest. The first thing I look at when I get those in, the first draft, is I look at their bibliography. Where are their sources? And they are getting information. You know, Dirty dozen. I mean, you can just go down the list. There, that's the easy stuff on the website, on on the internet about captives, and uh, so we still have a lot of good work that we need to do. The best thing we can all do is talk about the validity and all the business reasons why we have captives. And if we continue to do that, we'll be a better industry, and captives will continue to flourish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what we try and do on the pod. As I said, we've had some huge captives, you know, big and small captives, uh, coming on the, on the podcast over the last three years and, and telling those stories. I think we've had a, I think we've had almost a hundred captive owners now on the, on the pod uh, talking about them, uh, their use and why they why they were set up. Um, all right, well let's let's go back. We talked, you, know, you referenced uh, those misunderstandings you talked about earlier. Sandy, you must you must hear some of these as a, as a regulator. You must have some some interesting people knocking on your door, some interesting ideas of what a captive may or may not be able to do for them. Yeah, um, you know, people might come and say, I need a captive. Oh wait, I need to fund my risks <laughs> and put capital in it? <laughs> Is that a common one? No, it's not that common. <laughs> but it's something we don't want to hear. <laughs> Nick? Oh, we hear people that, that totally misunderstand what a captive is and can do for them. Uh, do I have to put up collateral? I have to put up collateral? What? I, what? I, I could pay an assessment? There's, you mean I could pay extra versus what I put in? Yes, we talked about that. <laughs> so, you know, and I love our clients. Sometimes they don't listen as well as we would like them to listen, and they get confused about things. That's why education in this space is so important. So we need to continue to do that. We all need to continue to do that. So I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's some of the things that we see. And Heather, I mean, you've only been on the other side of the fence for, for not so long, so maybe you haven't had as much chance to, to hear those misunderstandings. Or maybe, maybe internally at your old company, you have people misunderstand. Yeah, you know, I, I was at OU for almost f 15 years. And so as people come in and out of an organization, you do have to do a lot of re-education of your new board members, your new, you know, if, whether it's a CFO, a, a new executive, or other administrative leader and so they come in if they don't have any captive experience and you you have to like re reinvent that whole you know education piece again but you know just really not understanding what a captive is or thinking that it what Karen said that it's um, not as good as a commercial program. Dan have you got anything to add on that or do you want me to go straight into higher or lower? We have got loads of time. We're actually, you're actually early for beers, so I think Dan needs to get the bars open like 10 minutes earlier. I don't know if I'm going to sort that out. Someone told me I, I had the authority to do that, so that's a okay. good thing. So, No, I, maybe I'll, I'll share one of my favorite crackpot calls when I was in my previous role at the state, which was uh, 
a group of northern Michigan chiropractors who were setting up a captive for kidnap and ransom. And uh, they keep, we chat a little bit, and again, they're very confident. They talked to a, a captive expert, and they thought they should do this. And, and I was like, let me guess, like 1.2, 1.3 million? Yeah, yeah, that's about what we think we're going to pay into it. And I, and I, at some point here, I'm, am I being duped? But I asked them enough stuff that they, uh, they were very serious, thought they were going to do this. I you know, sent them on their way. And the scary thing, I don't know if they ended up somewhere or not. And I'm thinking to myself, is it, the, is it those Canadian Mounties coming across and kidnapping chiropractors and running them into Canada? Yeah, I don't know what the, what, where that demand is or where that drive is for kidna kidnapping chiropractors. I mean, we all, we all need them. I, I think lots of us probably need them. Um, but I'm not sure you go as far as kidnapping them. Um, OK, so higher or lower? Can you beat the young guys and Jim? Um, <laughs> cheers, Jim. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I'll stop there. Yeah, I love you, Jim. Um, so, uh, yeah, they only got three. So you've only got three to beat. So well, where do we start? Okay, talking of Joe McDonald, we're going to start with South Carolina, actually. Uh, South Carolina, and this is 2020 numbers, not including sales. They had 156 active captives at the end of 2020. So the question to you guys, and you can confer, I mean, I will say that when the, the panel was up here before and they got it wrong regarding Gibraltar, I saw at least Nick Morgan pointing down. So maybe you want to look out at the audience if you're not sure, because there are some, some educated, some less so educated views. Nick's is, is an educated one. Um, so 156, first one's always easier, Cayman Islands. Is there more or fewer captives in the Cayman Islands? Cayman, way more. Thanks, Heather, are you going to say higher for us? Higher. Yeah. yeah. Okay, correct. One point. All right, good, yeah. good start, good start. All right, second uh, domicile. Uh, so Cayman Islands, sorry, 652 captives at the end of 2020. Your next domicile is Singapore. Did Singapore have fewer or more, higher or lower number of more. captives? Fewer. Fewer. We're finding all, all different words for these words. Um, yeah. Correct. Singapore, 81. Jerry, we're buying you a drink. 81. <laughs> so, Singapore, 81 at the end of 2022. Uh, 2020. 2022 hasn't happened yet. Um, okay, next then. They had, they had 81 at the end of 2020. Luxembourg. This is, this is the tie. With the, this is how bad they did. This is the tie with the first panel. Luxembourg. Yeah. Higher. Higher is correct. Yeah, more than double. 199 at the end of uh, at the yeah, end of 2020. So yeah, the the, the the first panel was sweating. I'm not sure what the wager was. I heard Preble and Dan trying to work out a wager for this before. It's 401k. We're, we're not looking this it, way. It was Preble's 401k. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not not peach, not pictures of Peter Johnson. <laughs> We've asked that those never be shared. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Luxembourg was 199 at the end of 2020. So for the win, and we'll carry on, see if you can get more than four, but for the win, Guernsey. The Guernsey have more or fewer than 199. Higher. Yeah. Higher, right? For the win. Sure. Well, we've got the regulators right here. So. <laughs> Not of Guernsey. <laughs> well, I know, but I know, but she probably knows well, you, her colleagues. Know. <laughs> We're going to say higher. higher. Higher is correct, yeah, quite substantially, yeah, 287. Boom. There you go, look, they've won My it, they've job. won it. No. Probably you're going to need to keep working. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right, so let's see how far you can go. He's a seven maximum. I couldn't have endless domiciles here. Uh, so Guernsey was 287 at the end of 2020. This is a close one. Hawaii, at the end of 2020, was it higher or lower than 287? Lower. Wow. Final yeah. answer. That was quick. That was emphatic. Imagine how bad it would look if it was wrong. <laughs> it wasn't. It was good. It was good. It was, it was lower. It's Hawaii was 242. Yeah. So about 40, 45, my rough math tells me, uh, fewer. Um, okay, this, this is interesting. Next up, that's five points. Can you crush, can you crush these and double their point score? Ireland, higher or lower than 242? Um, Ireland. 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 I mean, half of you are Irish in the audience, right? So, I mean. Lower, final answer. Yes, 67, considerably lower. And last for a full set to complete, 100%, seven out of seven. 67 was Ireland, Texas, higher or lower, 2020. I want to say 57. Lower. Lower. Lower? Is it lower? Yeah, 10 lower, 57. Full house, look at that. Yeah. Okay, great, guys. Well, yeah, we've uh, that that was it. We really, really thank you all for uh, participating in this little experiment. If you see us again, then you know the reviews are good. If you don't, don't mention it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so a big thank you uh, to all our guests: uh, Kristen, Karen, Jim, Preble, Sandy, Heather, Nick, and uh, Dan. Particularly, thanks for for letting us do it as well. We, we really appreciate it. And thank you to you guys for bearing with us. Uh, stay safe, uh, stay well, and we'll see you next time, Captives. <laughs>